we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Hello, and welcome to America Out Loud Pulse. I'm your host, Jody O'Malley. I want to ask you guys, when is enough enough? So you decided that you would take your first shot, your second shot, your third shot. We're on our fourth shot. And I'm still hearing from people, I had to take it. I need my job. I need my paycheck. And it baffles me. I I am just floored, especially for the nursing community to still participate in this. We knew a month after the injections came out that there were breakthrough infections all the time. People that had it naturally got injected, got it again, this time even worse. So we knew it didn't stop it, didn't stop infection, it didn't stop transmission, and it certainly didn't make you stop going to the hospital, did it? Every single one of us knows someone that got injected and got sick. I mean, it's kind of a joke, isn't it? People say, well, I didn't have COVID until I got the shot, as if now we're normalizing it. So I'm a little fired up over this, and I'm going to introduce my next guest, who is another nurse whom I met in a random place. And I want to encourage all of you, all of you listeners, if you think you're alone, you're absolutely not. There are more of us knowing that something is not going right, that something is absolutely terribly wrong, especially when we're normalizing children, young adults dying suddenly. There is something going on and we have got to stand up and speak up. So the other day I was with my son at his basketball practice and there was a new kid that had joined And I found myself sitting next to his mom. And so we just started talking, just chatting normally, like two moms do, sitting there watching their sons play basketball for an hour and a half, as if it's the highlight of our day, right? And she starts at talking and, you know, asking me about work. And I said, well, I actually haven't worked in a year. And she said, why? And I said, well, I blew the whistle on the federal government um, for underreporting vaccine injuries and um, just going against all the ethical principles that I took as a nurse. And she said, oh, my gosh, me too. Me too. I was a nurse. I worked in the OR department. I first came out about masks and um And then, you know, it kind of went on from there. But tonight I was driving with my dad and my sister and my son, and we were going to have a nice dinner. 
and a text message came through my phone and I played it in the car and it started talking about COVID, of course. And my son stopped it. And I said, why did you do that? And he said, I'm done. I'm done listening to it. And my sister said, you, you shouldn't do that. That's disrespectful. You can't do it just because you don't like something. And then my dad laid into him and he's like, you don't ever disrespect your mom. And then he started bawling. He literally started crying and he said, I am so done with this. I am so done with this. Every single thing has to do with this COVID. And you don't know, guys, you don't live with her. You see her, but she's a whistleblower. Everybody talks to her. Everybody comes to her and I'm tired of it. And so I got so fired up that I called up Beth and I said, we need to talk about this because when is enough enough? Beth, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Jody, so much for having me. I am honored to be, you know, a guest here and I'm really excited to chat with you and kind of explore some of these, you know, continuing ongoing topics that you and I had in our first conversation and have had in subsequent conversations. So thank you so much. Yes, you're you're welcome. You know, I I just want to get right into it. You know, as nurses, how did we ban abandon all common sense and critical thinking, evidence-based practice, all aspects of clinical research, data, holistic nursing? Like we're, we didn't stand up for ourselves and our own bodily autonomy. How, uh, what did we, what did we do to, what did we do to people, Beth? What did we do? Yeah, it's, um, it's, that I think is the most recurrent theme in my own head and in conversations with people, both, both nurses and, you know, friends and family members that are not in the medical profession. And I wish I had the answer and I wish I could get something out of somebody that participated in it and that is continuing to participate in it. And I can't get anything, you know, it's like, there are just so many aspects that don't make sense that don't require a nursing degree or a medical degree or having any real, you know, significant textbook education that we wouldn't do in our normal every day-to-day lives. And yet somehow over the past three years, it has become normal and commonplace. Right. And we have allowed it to kind of creep into our subconscious and our hearts and our souls. And we really have become a profession, unfortunately, that, um, you know, we abandoned our own bodies and we really mm-hmm. allowed people to dictate to us how we were going to care for people on a human level. We removed every human component to caring people and 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 through that process abandoned the most basic elements of common sense and critical thinking of does this make sense should i really be doing this um you know even if right. i'm told i can should i be um and and it's it's really something that continues to kind of plague um my thoughts and i can't i can't for the life of me get a straight answer out of somebody that participated in it 
No. And, and, you know, they continue to participate in it, you know, and it's, we are, or we were the most trusted profession. And now people don't even want to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to go to the hospital. They are. And yeah. And the scariest part about that, Jody, hospital administration doesn't seem to care about that particular patient population group. I, I I will tell you that I spoke with dozens upon dozens of patients prior to them coming in for surgery that did not want to be alone, did not think that it was appropriate that they could not have a family member in the hospital, that were worried about um, having to get tested for something that they didn't know they had. And for some reason, that segment of the patient population, because they were not fearful of COVID or because, you know, whatever other reasons outside of buying into all of this fear and all of the propaganda, that particular patient population was completely ignored by hospital administration. I can't tell you the number of emails that I sent, the calls that I would be on advocating for patients. Um, you know, you, and then, and then this doesn't even, you don't even get into the, get into the factor of what about our patients with special needs? Whatever. What about our patients with dementia, Alzheimer's? And, and I, as a healthcare professional, I'm supposed to say, well, it's policy. It's policy that now this person that can't make decisions for themselves, they're going to be alone in a hospital room for however many hours a day. We, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's disgraceful and people don't want to come to the hospital. They're terrified. They're terrified of what nurses are going to do simply by the act of following orders, falling right in line and, and not having that ability to step outside and to kind of say, whoa, should we really be doing this? Exactly. Uh, We, we, you know, you touched on, on the fear, uh, the, the fear aspect was the number one driving force of this. And if that didn't make you wake up to what you were paying attention to and what you were choosing to follow, people chose to follow the fear narrative, even though every, even though we knew say mass didn't work, right. You are, Mm -hmm. um, it worked in the OR. So you did pre-op, you help patients before surgery, you help them after surgery. You saw, you know, you know, what proper, um, PPE is, and you, and you understand that wearing a mask in in an operating room is much different than wearing a mask on the outside. If if only people just stopped and, and looked at what was happening. I mean, it was a 24 seven death toll ticker on every single electronic screen, TV, computer, phone, constantly people are dying. People are dying. Fear, fear, fear. But you had different states and different um, communities that didn't follow this, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, for somebody to put a mask on, Mm -hmm. walk into a restaurant, sit down and take it off to eat. It it just was mind blowing to me that uh, how we decided as nurses to abandon all evidence-based practice, all critical thinking, all assessment skills. Right. You know, I often think about, um, I, I often think about that kind of, um, you know, being the most trusted people. 
how many people in your nursing career call you and ask advice? You know, we get that a lot, right? Without yes. playing practitioner, without doing something, you know, you get your family members that, oh, they've got the ache or the pain or, you know, yep. should I do this or should I do that? Because they trust us, right? Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, we decided to not tap into our instincts and to not allow ourselves to be the voice of reason in this season. And we really should have, because as a collective, as a group of nurses who you, ha you had to have seen something in this process that didn't sit right with you. I don't care how small that event was. You have to have had at least one experience in the hospital. You, ha you have to have. You, you, there, there's just no other way. And how you were incapable of channeling that one experience and turning that into something greater for part of the collective to pump the brakes. Imagine if groups of nurses had banded together and we used our ability to be trusted healthcare professionals and educate people rather than feeding into the fear and stoking the flames, because that's exactly what we did. Every time you saw a nurse walking in the grocery store with a mask on, incapable of applying common sense and critical thinking skills, coupled with their textbook learning, you carried a demonstration of fear to somebody. And then yeah. that's what they trusted. They trusted uh, yep. what they should not have trusted in you. And that is so unfortunate. It's so it, unfortunate. So unfortunate. I'll tell you, I sometimes even put on my scrubs on my day off if I was going to go to the mall, right? And walk yeah. through that mall with no mask on. So yes. people saw me. I was yes. on the, I was working in the hospital. I kept my mask underneath my chin and I mm -hmm. kept a coffee in my hand mm -hmm. and, and I wanted to demonstrate to people, you know, that this is not going to protect us. And the fact right. that they were able to tell us that we needed to abandon all of our ethical principles, you know, we are, are bound to our ethics and, mm -hmm. and, and that's what upholds us. And, you know, we're, we're going to go to a break here. Uh, we have a message for our sponsors. I will say today that I did get my healthy cell in the mail and um, I cannot wait to try these gel packs. Uh, I also got my COVID RX. Um, I've been doing that for quite some time after Dr. McCullough came out and, and told us how important and, um, and how well that, you know, putting the antiviral up your nose, stop the replication of it. So we'll be right back. All right. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpidone iodine based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? 
customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best, freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. All right, so we were talking about how the, the mask symbolized the fear. And in 2020, they told us uh, to wait, wait for the vaccine. You can have your life back when the vaccine comes out. You can take your mask off. You can travel wherever you want. Um, you can visit your family again. Don't forget about that. You can visit your family again. Um, you just need to get the shot. So, so people did. People got the shot and we saw it fail time and time again. And now we are a year and a half out and it's failed tremendously. Doesn't stop it like we, we said before. And now we, we have a hospital. Okay. I want you all to imagine this. You have a hospital now that graduated baby nurses throughout COVID right? We, we lovingly in the profession call them baby nurses. So these nurses went to nursing school for those two years during COVID, didn't touch a patient, didn't learn. Uh, obviously, they weren't teaching ethics, which we'll touch on in, in, a, in a few minutes. But they come out and now they're thrown into the hospital system you have a bunch of your experienced nurses like Beth and myself that left the bedside and thousands more that did it uh, because they didn't want to be coerced. They knew that it wasn't working and they nobody was going to tell us. Right. That as nurses, we when we're going through school, we learn the ethics of how we're supposed to care for for people and our patients are not the only people. It's a population in the community. And guess what? We owe a duty to ourselves. So now you have a hospital unit with young nurses that are running, that are the supervisors now because they don't have, they don't have the experienced nurses to show them. And, you know, Beth and I were talking, what, what did we say, Beth, that um, we, we've never taken orders from hospital administrators before? Right, right. It, it brings up such an interesting thing to think about, you know, as you, 
there's always these kind of uh, stereotypes or these these misnomers or these ideas about a, a physician nurse relationship, right? Like you're you're cowering to these physicians or they're so powerful or you know it's it's a, it's a yes sir yes ma'am situation. And I I really fear for those nurses that are fresh out of COVID nursing school that, like you said, hadn't ever touched a patient and who now have adopted the natural practice of taking orders and following procedures implemented by hospital administration. This is unprecedented. You know, they have, they, they have, they're so new and they're so inexperienced and they don't have now seasoned veteran nurses leading by example on how to push back because all of us that are pushing back, we've decided that we can't do it from the inside out. We have to do it from the outside in and they don't have that leadership example. You know, we, we, we are probably going to see a lot of nurses following physicians orders that probably aren't the best orders for their patients. And you do have those physicians, you know, that, that nurses that are going to not understand what it really means to look at an order and say, well, does that even make sense for what my patient's diagnosed with or what we're trying to rule out? Right. Probably not. And they are now accustomed to this system in which this is what I told you to do and you're going to do it and you're going to do it blindly and you're going to do it quietly and you're going to do it when I say you're going to do it. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense to you because you've been told that that's what you need to do. And that is a terrifying system to step into as a patient yep. and to work in as a healthcare professional. It's absolutely terrifying. It, it's terrifying. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the nurses that, you know, bow down to the doctor, but I want our listeners to know this because many people don't understand this. We operate under our own license. Mm -hmm. We never follow orders that don't make sense. Mm -hmm. There's a safety um, signal. We have to make sure that if we carry out an order from a physician that we can justify why we gave it. We have got to exactly. Why I mean, a good example it. for your listeners, if you know, right, a good example is reading a medication dosage. It doesn't matter what the dosage is that the physician wrote it for. If it's a wrong dosage, and you read that, and you don't question it and call the physician and say, Hey, did you did you mean to write 240 milligrams, or did you mean to write 24 milligrams, right? That's right? And you carry out the wrong dosage, that falls on you. You know, the the line that I think, unfortunately, a lot of pharmacists, a lot of nurses, a lot of people are going to try to fall back on is I was just following orders. And that is not going to work. It's just not because we have actual courses in nursing school of critical thinking of how to assess how to use your skills and with your training and with your education to make sure that everything matches up as best it can when it comes to your patient care. 
And you have, you have autonomy in that because your ratio and your census is maybe one to five or one to six patients and your physicians is, is one to 25. So it's your responsibility to be there with the patient when the physician can't be and to work in conjunction with what the physician is, is doing, but you certainly have a significant amount of responsibility in making sure that what you are doing falls under safety guidelines and is is done appropriately and timely and without causing any harm to the patient. Yeah. And also in the best interests of the patient. So I'll, Correct. I'll give everyone an example of that. On night shift, I worked, I worked days and nights, but throughout COVID, I worked night shift. Night shift nurses um, typically, no, let me, let me, let me come back to that night shift doctors typically do not write orders unless they absolutely have to, they are there just to kind of keep the patient alive until the day team comes in. Okay. <laughs> and when you have experienced nurses, you will fight that doctor. Well, not fight the doctor. We don't fight the doctor, but you will guide the doctor on things that they need to order and that they can do right now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for example, a patient, you know, is a spikes a, a temperature and um, we're like, okay, where's, where's my antibiotic? What antibiotic do you want them on? Oh, well, I don't know. Recheck their temperature, recheck it in an hour, make sure that they still have a temperature. Oh, really? Right. Because I just got their labs that came up and their white blood cell count is out of this world. Can we please put the, put the, um, antibiotic on board now? You know, um, that that's the difference between an experienced nurse and a not so experienced nurse. They won't push the doctor. And another right. thing right now where we're at in healthcare is the the government and the pharmacists were weaponized to take away the physician patient relationship. Mm -hmm. the, the doctors were not able to practice medicine through COVID because mm -hmm. there was only one protocol, guys, and that mm -hmm. was remdesivir. That was it. Patients that wanted to have vitamins or ivermectin or some other safe off-label use medication. Yep. And, and, and here's I, the thing, like with, with what Beth was saying about the, the order and, and making sure it was the correct dose. Here's another thing that you would do. You would look up and be like, okay, I got to get administer remdesivir. Let me look at the side effects. Let mm -hmm. me look at the adverse reactions that I have to watch out and monitor for. Let mm -hmm. me see how, how, how often do I have to monitor them? What mm -hmm. do I need to draw? Oh, I got to draw daily labs to make sure their kidneys and their liver isn't, isn't suffering. We got to make mm -hmm. sure that we put them on a monitor because it tanks their heart rate. When you look up ivermectin, there's none of that. None of that. So there was absolutely no reason why they did not prescribe any treatment. And you know, guys, that is called benef beneficence. That is actions mm -hmm. guided by compassion. We mm -hmm. had no compassion during COVID. Right. The, the other scary thing is, is that this is the only time in medicine that I can think of. And I was a nurse for almost 15 years where a physician under the thumb of the hospital administration 
would not permit the patient to help guide and direct their own care. Oh, yep. And, and that is called autonomy. Yes, that is called autonomy. This is this is like saying, um, I have a cancer diagnosis and I do not want chemotherapy. And your physician saying, I'm sorry, it is hospital protocol. I have to give it to you. Right. Can you imagine. Right. Or can you, you don't imagine? And, and if you don't, uh-huh. or if you want something else, Come on. we are going to refuse it. To and, you. and bring it. And if you don't go with this treatment, we want you to sign a DNR that mm-hmm. says that if there's anything going mm-hmm. on that's, that you're dying, we are not going to help. We're not going to help you. Think about for a minute how crazy that sounds in any other aspect of medicine. The patient not only has a choice, mm-hmm. but the patient gets to choose yes or no. The patient should be fully educated about their choice and the patient should be provided with alternatives. Okay. And, and we you know- robbed the patient of that. We robbed the patient yes. of every aspect of guiding their own care. And we robbed their family members of being a participant in patient family centered care. Absolutely. We took away the advocate from the bedside. Let mm-hmm. me, let me read to our listeners, uh, autonomy. This is on nurse.org. Autonomy is recognizing each individual patient's right to self-determination and decision-making as patient advocates. It is imperative then nurses ensure that patients receive all medical information, mm. all education, all options in order to choose the option that is best for them. This includes all potential risk, benefits, and complications to make well-informed decisions. Sometimes nurses will need to continue to advocate for a patient despite the wishes being verbalized because the medical team might not agree in those mm. wishes. That should give everybody goosebumps, honestly. Like that should have people with goosebumps and it should have people a little upset, maybe, maybe a little bit more than a little upset actually. Mm-hmm. And what it really should do, and I encourage this to people that I talk to on the daily basis. If you had a loved one in the hospital that was being treated for COVID request a copy of their medical records ASAP. Yep. Um, go through them, mm-hmm. <laughs> find somebody that you trust, um, maybe in medicine to, to help you decipher some of the things that are in there. Um, because I, I will guarantee you that your loved one, your family member, your friend was absolutely robbed of their autonomy. And I would render a guess at whatever hospital system or facility they were at, somewhere in their guidelines or in their bylaws or in their mission, vision, and values statements, they have policies and they have supporting documentation about recognizing patients' autonomy. Mm-hmm. And if this is so casually thrown by the wayside for a virus with a 99 plus survival rate, and they're willing to do it for that, we should all be really concerned about the state of our healthcare systems and what that's going to look like in the future. Absolutely. Uh, It's, this is changing. All right. This, this needed to happen. 
Uh It absolutely needed to happen. I mean, there's nothing new that's going to be ushered in um, unless the system is absolutely broken. And this sick care system is broken and there is no fixing it. I want people to understand that you, we will not fix the hospital system as we know it. So all of these nurses that are staying, being complicit, knowing something is up, knowing this is wrong, right? We, we haven't treated patients, um, you know, for health like since big pharma really took over because it's all medications guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and these doctors, you, you think that they are, you know, they, they have so much um, autonomy to practice medicine, but they don't literally what they're doing now is typing in a diagnosis and they are getting a list of medications that they can give. And guess what? Lots of them have to go through the protocol. They have to try this med first, then they can try that med, then they can try this med, because this is how the hospitals are getting paid by pharma. That physician does not have the autonomy in many places to say, you know what, I'm not giving medication number one. I've had better, um, I've had better um, outcomes with patient, uh, medication number four, so I'm going to use that first. Oh, no, 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 no. You think that they're, you know, the leaders of the hospital. They're not. They have administration. They have somebody coming down telling them what they can do and how they can do it. Yeah. And the general public, I don't think gets that. No. And that's why these conversations are so important because I think just that very basic knowledge. But but I guess, I guess here's the other thing, Jody, that I always think about. That's a really hard pill to swallow. Speaking of pharma, (laughs) the truth pill is a very, very hard pill to swallow. And there are so many people that would just simply live in this sort of ignorance is bliss existence and think, oh, no, that can't be true. Why would why would they do that? Why Why would that ever happen? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't a doctor push back? Well, the why doesn't matter when it's happening. You have, you know, that's like, that's like asking crazy questions. Like, you know, why are there serial killers? Well, I don't know. I'm not a serial killer. I don't understand that. I would never do that, but it does happen. So you have to forget about the why and you have to go to how can we repair this? And in my humble opinion, and I know that we agree on it, one of the biggest ways that we can repair it is by getting our nursing community to stand up, rally together, and start doing what we know is the right thing to do and start pushing back. We have to. It's it, we're, we're long overdue. We have to start pushing back and we have to do something. Yeah. The, the time is now. Putting your mm-hmm. head in the sand and thinking somebody else is going to handle it letting, letting, you know, these lawsuits, you know, occur, you know, um, I think it was out in DC that, um, the, the mayor had to, uh, backtrack on her mandates for the, uh, police and the fire department and they won, they won. And you know what, they have to pay them back their back pay. They have to expunge any, um, you know, adverse thing that they put on their, um, on their, 
what what's it called? You know, like the, their record or their, uh, their record. Yeah. yeah. And, and they won. But you know yep. what? Stop thinking somebody else is going to do it for you. <laughs> yep. Yep. With that, we'll be right back. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait. We wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. All right, so we've been waiting for somebody else to make this all go away. And I mean, what do you think, Beth? What the, the future is going to look like? We keep injecting people. We know it lowers their immune system. I, I've had word um, from great sources that a lot of these flights that are being delayed are because pilots can't fly. They're not passing the strict standard, right? Mm -hmm. but, but we injected them with the experimental medication, not knowing if it was safe or effective. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, the hundreds of lives that you know, are in their hands, not knowing what's going to happen. You know, we have the nurse, we have the, the hospital, the, the nurses, you know, complaining about having so many patients because they're short staffed and they can't hire people and they're not bringing people back, even though CDC came out and said, don't make any, um, any difference between the vax and the unvax, but get your booster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's a really scary notion, actually, that a lot of people haven't thought through to the future. Um, nurses get sick, doctors get sick, hospital staff get sick. At some point, we're all a, a patient at one time, whether that's, you know, checking ourselves into the hospital or whether that's being at home on our couch. And um, we know 
without a shadow of a doubt that there are um, side effects happening. Um, we're, we're seeing sudden death. We're seeing um, cardiac events in both adults and children. We're seeing blood clots. We're seeing strokes. Um, so at some point, just simply by your law of averages, right, and statistics, um, you're going to have some of those people be practitioners. And what does that look like for a community setting? When you have nursing ratios not only dwindle because people like you and I and, and other nurses are leaving because we don't want to abandon our own personal body autonomy. But what happens when some of those nurses start having some uh, unfortunate side effects from these? Are they on disability now because they had a stroke and, you know, they're they're no longer at the bedside? What happens when we see physicians potentially have side effects from this? This was not a very forward thinking situation by a lot of people advocating for this type of blanket intervention. Right. Um, this mandate. I mean, we yes. had, I, I know attorneys that had talked to nurses and, and they're like, I don't want to take it. I absolutely don't want to take it. And the advice that they got from the attorney was, okay, before you take it, very, you know, within days before you take it, go get a complete physical and mm -hmm. make sure it's documented that you have nothing wrong with you mm -hmm. so that if something happens to you, you can come back and sue them. Mm -hmm. But guys, this is your, this is your hell. It, it's, it's like, why are we continuing to do things that don't make any sense? The interesting thing to me, Jody, is how many nurses will sit around the nurse's station and complain about how busy they are and complain about that they didn't get a lunch break and complain about that their 12-hour shift turned into a 13-and-a-half-hour shift and they only got to pee once during the day. They'll complain about all of those things that negatively impact their health. And they will literally walk to the front of the line to inject something into their bodies that they know absolutely nothing about. Yep. That is such a demonstration. Well, I think it demonstrates a lot of things. I think it demonstrates obviously the fear factor. It demonstrates an inability to have enough self-confidence and, and, and wherewithal and trust in your own body and what you know in, you know, how to take care of yourself for however many years you've lived in that body. Um, it's a lack of confidence. It's, um, it's also, I think, fear to the other side of the spectrum of, you know, being, being well, name called or being ostracized by your colleagues or, or yeah. maybe losing friends or family members. So yeah, it's abusive. It's, it's, <laughs> yes. It's, it's an abusive relationship. The, 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 the nursing community doesn't realize that they're in an abusive relationship with their employer. And when I think people start to realize that, that they're being gaslit, that they're being manipulated, that they're being, um, you know, coerced, that nothing, here's the thing, here's, here's how you know you're in an abusive relationship. Nothing you do is ever going to be enough. That's right. It's an escalator. It's not a staircase. It's never going to stop. You are going, you're going to give them four shots. Well, they want five now and they want five shots and a mask. Oh, they want five shots and a mask. And you came to work grumpy the other day. So now we want you to take antidepressants. <laughs> right. Right. Where like, does it stop? Legit. And, 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 
And if you were to, if you were to say that three years ago, you really would sound like a lunatic, right? People would really call you a lunatic, but you've given your body to your employer. That's what you've done. You've now set the precedent that anything they say needs to go in your body for whatever reason, because mm -hmm. now it's not even protective. You're not even doing this out of an altruistic manner that, oh, I'm going to protect myself so I don't get other people sick. No, that's off the table. It's it can't been, be used done. as as leverage. It's gone. It's out the window. Mm -hmm. So what is what is it for then? What is your employer using this against you for? Yeah. And you should recognize that when somebody uses those manipulative tactics, you're being abused. <laughs> it's, it's, it's psychological warfare. And I just cannot wrap my head around what it is going to take for the nursing community to band together. Because here's what I will also tell you. I think when nurses do it, physicians will follow. Unfortunately, I think the physicians need to be the followers in this path because they have significantly more to lose than the nurses do. Girl, girl, you hit the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. nurses outnumber physicians yep. four to one. Yep. Okay. <laughs> four to one. We have so much education. We, we are versed in evidence-based practice, mm -hmm. all aspects of clinical research, mm -hmm. data. Holistic right? care. Holistic care. Now, <laughs> holistic holistic, care. Yeah. Holistic care guys is mind, body, mind, spirit. Body, spirit. All of it. We have so much of that. And so when nurses take a stand on a unit, you know, everybody will follow. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the thing. We have got to stop it with uh, the bullying. We, 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 and, and what's the best way? What's the best way to stand up to a bully? Anybody know that? No, riddle me this. You stand up. Yeah. You just do it. You just you do call it. call them out. The mm -hmm. light, I'll tell you something. The light, a flicker of light in a dark room lights up that room. Yep. It's taking your power back. And and again, coming from somebody, and, and unfortunately, Jody, you and I share this um, sentiment as well in this experience, but we've both been in abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. The minute that that person knows that they no longer have control over you. Yep. They are absolutely defeated and the tables turn. It is like a, it's it's like a switch gets flipped. They know. They know that they no longer have control over you mm -hmm. and that whatever they say, whatever they do, whatever manipulation tactics they're going to try, it, it's not going to work. And if that can happen in a one-on-one -on -one situation, it certainly can happen in a 50 against two situation. If you've got 50 nurses on a unit and you've got a supervisor and a, and a, and a manager or a clinical director, you know, right. what's the top of a, of a corporate pyramid look like, right? Mm -hmm. Your, your CEO, your CF, your CNO, you know, you've got, you've got four or five people at the top of the pyramid and you've got hundreds mm -hmm. at the bottom. You know, let, let's touch on that. I don't think many people know. But nurses, the chief nursing officer runs that hospital. Correct. It's not, it's not a physician, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let that sink in and, for a and, second. And you know, the crazy, the crazy thing, the crazy thing is, is that nurses, we used to pride ourselves 
on nursing-centered care. Mm-hmm. We used to pride ourselves on being magnet status, which magnet status men, meant that, you know, all of these initiatives and these standards and these new policies and these new ways and creative and, and thinking outside the box, ways of caring for people were nurse driven, yep. that the nurse had a voice. That's right. And, not and, only, mm-hmm, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, not only has administration stripped people of that because they're the abuser, nurses are somehow absolutely rolling over and just taking it for what it is with, with, I've never seen such little pushback before in my, in my life, really. They're just, well, this is okay now. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Now this is just the way that it is. We're, we're just, we're just following orders. We just have to do this. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. It's wild. The things that we literally prided ourselves on four years ago, we were the creme de la creme, most respected. I will advocate for my patients. You know, I'll stay late if I have to, Mm -hmm. to, I'm going to sit at the nurse's station and I'm going to go into that room. The very least amount of minutes that I have to, to match my clinical documentation protocol standards. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Which brings me, which brings me to Mm non-maleficence. It's the most well-known of nursing ethics is to do no harm. And from nurse.org verbatim, more specifically, it is selecting interventions in care that will cause the least amount of harm to achieve a beneficial outcome. Mm. Mm, I'm mean, come on, guys. I think this is what we need to do. We need to have a tour of nursing ethics mm-hmm. and remind people and give them yep. CEUs and say, mm-hmm. come learn what you forgot or what you were never taught. I mean, it's it's insane. We're we're supposed to promote and advocate for and protect the rights and the health and the safety of the patient. I think what's I think what's actually to 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 touch on that is that we've gotten so focused on only one aspect of health. Everyone just thinks that it's your physical health. Mm-hmm. When you isolate a patient you are absolutely doing harm. The harm that you are doing to their psychological, emotional, and spiritual health does not, it, it, it's not balanced out by the benefit of whatever it, they are getting to their physical body. It's, 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 it's not a tit for tat. It's not an exchange. No. So for every nurse that allowed the hospital administration to dictate that their patient could not have a visitor, you harmed your patient. You harmed and you them did it. You you harmed them. You participated in causing harm to your patient. Yeah. And again, saying, "Well, I was just following orders," is not going to cut it. it it's not. And you know, let's touch on that because I think people. People need to understand or really, you know, really think about that. What we tell our mind, Mm -hmm. right, 
It's mm-hmm. what we tell our mind is what we will believe. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole aspect of, you know, stopping, you know, um, uh, churches and stopping people from gathering together. I mean, this was so manipulative. This whole COVID agenda, guys, is so manipulative and so evil at its core that it stripped people's it stripped people's faith. I mm-hmm. mean, people that went to church every week and called themselves a Christian and, you know, uh, felt like they did a good deed by going to church and hearing a good message and and how we could change, um, you know, our life just by the power of us and and what we do. I mean, they were fed a load of garbage. Mm-hmm. And and so now here we are at the end times. Right. And this is all very biblical. What's happening, everyone. I want you to realize this, you know, the, the whole world getting on board with this for to further this evil agenda is a war of good and evil. And right now we need to gather the lions. We need to gather the lions that are going to stand up and help us create these parallel systems. Help us to tell people that they're that they need to to follow their faith and leave fear so far behind that you don't even think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I mean, <clears throat> fear is a powerful drug, right? Um, you know, we know that it has actual it can it can change you know chemical components in our bodies, um, and we have to start planting more seeds, watering those gardens, and the collective has to come together to stand in that faith. And our actions need to demonstrate people, you know, people don't like lip service, people like action, right? Like you yep. need to walk the walk. And as nurses, if we want to regain um, the trust of our communities, which I can't imagine. I can't imagine why I would, you know, want to be a nurse and not have my patients trust me. That must be a horrible, horrible feeling that wouldn't feel good if I were still at the bedside, right? That should be something that everybody wants to have. We all have to band together and we have to stand up and we have to get loud. And if you think that you're alone, you're not alone. (laughs) You're not alone in your walk, um, you know, in your faith walk. You're not alone in feeling that something is not right with this. Um, You know, you have more support than you know. And I guarantee you, you light your torch and it is moths to a flame. It absolutely People will seek you out and you will be a voice to so many people who are looking for the encouragement. People are hungry right now for it. So abandon that fear, abandon that fear of, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. It doesn't matter. You will be shown what to do. You will have the hand of God on your shoulder and you will you will walk how you are supposed to walk. Is it going to be a challenge? Sure. Um, you know, are you going to maybe feel like, um, you know, unsure? Yes. And that is okay. And that is where you have to stay true to your faith and you have to lean on the Lord. And then you have to lean on the people that are in it with you. And there are people with you. So get loud, find your courage, 
dig deep and, you know, band together or else it's just going to go on forever. And your life is going to be like this for, for forever. It, it, it's going to get worse. And, yeah. and you know what, real quick, let me, let me close out with, with those that are listening that are not, not sure about their faith. You know, um, I, I know so many different denominations have put guilt and said that, you know, you're a sinner and you need to do this. You need to do that guys. All you need to do is to have a little bit of faith, just a size, you know, in the Bible, it says the size of a mustard seed and confess your sins and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and personal savior. And at that moment, like you are saved, you are not of this world. You are born again of the spirit and you leave the flesh and you leave all the worldly fleshly things, you know, in, here in the world and you move on and you, and, and that's what you do. And then I had somebody say something to me. They're like, well, what if I have some doubt? And I said, mm -hmm. it's okay. You can mm -hmm. have doubt. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a hundred percent in, you just have to have this faith, the size of a mustard seed and watch it grow. And mm -hmm. Beth, thank you so much for being with me. I, I appreciate it. And I know I'm going to have you back on again. Guys, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, to my guest, Beth, the nurse that stood up and walked away and show, chose courage and faith over fear. All of my shows go to podcasts typically a day or two after the broadcast is heard on talk radio. You can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart Podcast, and many more. Make sure you subscribe and rate the show on, on Apple Podcasts for me. Thank you so much. <laughs>